Robots Radio. Games. Lore. Stories. Community. Just press play. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome, weary traveler. Need a short rest? Oh, I see. They said you'd be showing up about now. Come on, through the portal. Best not keep the lore mistress and more master waiting. You know how they get. Robots Radio presents The Dungeons and Dragons Lorecast. The best way for everyone from experienced dungeon masters to those curious about D&D to learn more about the worlds, creatures, and lore of Dungeons and Dragons. Hello, welcome to the Dungeons and Dragons Lorecast. My name is Sergio. And I'm Mary. And we are talking... Baldur's Gate in celebration of the uh, well-beloved hit video game Baldur's Gate 3. That's crazy. I mean, the D&D movie didn't do Mm -hmm. the numbers that we were hoping, but it was good. It was good. By by the most important metric, in my opinion. Oh, this is true. It's like, please just make a good D&D movie where I can be like, or people will be like, hey, aren't you that weird D&D thing? I'm like, yeah, you should watch the movie. It's really good. And I'm not a liar for it. Right, right, right. It's not that whole fandom bias thing that some people get where it's like, oh, no, it's our fandom. So it's the best thing. Right. It's, it's, it's actually good. It's good. It's 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 good. Like and that's without bias, just in my objective opinion, it's good. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's weird that we had a good D&D movie and then a like that's even better in terms of uh, how it's been received and how well it's doing uh, financially video game all in one year I is is do, wild to me i feel like it's on track to be game of the year i'm just i'm just saying i'm saying i mean it does have it's some, a contender some it's stiff a competition solid it it does but it's a solid contender oh yeah but uh it's just wild that these that these rpg games are the games that are getting everyone in a tizzy i love it uh, i'm here for it Speaking of putting people in a tizzy. Let's hear it. <laughs> um, an announcement, I guess, at the uh, out the gate, as it were. Um, out the Baldur's Gate. Out of the Baldur's Gate. There's been recent adjustments that I've had to make um, in real life that have kind of put Sergio and I, us here, in a bit of a bind. Um, fairly substantial one at the moment. Um so it's going to lead to upcoming changes. Um, I am going to step back, step down from my position here on the show proper as a co-host. What? Um, yes, you're shocked and appalled. This is the I know. first I'm hearing about this. He's a liar and a fraud. I'm both those things. <laughs> you are so many things. Um, it's not an easy choice by any means, but I kind of got to 
Um, so I can't give you guys the quantity and quality of content um, that you should be getting from us and that is absolutely standard and expected here. Um, in the time frame that we have available at the moment. Um, and I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not okay with half-assing anything. I don't You want to use your whole ass. Right. And it's, it, yeah. Yeah. If I'm, if I'm committing, it's whole ass, all ass or none. 100% posterior. 100% posterior. But, um, so, so basically I'm not going to be hosting, um, weekly episodes anymore, but that doesn't mean I'm like going anywhere, not leaving the community. I'm not, you know abandoning dungeons and dragons and all of this wonderful stuff that is amazing and that I love um and I'll try to jump in as often as I can here and there try to you know come to round tables and we're just gonna kind of figure it out moving forward um but that's kind of kind of where things are at the moment and I guess that being said then um see you in Baldur's Gate. <laughs> uh yeah, it's uh you know, this is not uh the most uh, ideal of situations, unfortunately. No. <laughs> um you know the the door is very much still open for <laughs> to marry to to rejoin the team in a in a more uh I guess official manner. Like she said she, you know, still gonna be on the Discord, still gonna be right. Just sneaking around all stealthy, wealthy. <laughs> As uh, I can. I can't but, I can't make a commitment and say, Oh yeah, I'll be able to do all of these things when I can't, because that's not that's not how I roll. And so uh yeah, so yeah, so like I said, that's the door is still definitely open should things in the future change. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, you'll be seeing uh, just um slight changes in in the show, um and it's uh how it's released and, and kind of what's going on since uh for the for the foreseeable future it'll probably be a a one person, a one character operation. Um, but yeah, so that's that. That's the sad part of this episode. Uh, now let's talk about the the great part, which is the lore, the lore, the lore of Baldur's Gate. Yay! There is some lore of Baldur's Gate. Uh, so it's also been known as Lockley or the City of Blood. Um, awesome! <laughs> right, straight out, straight off the jump. There we go. I was like, have you ever been to Baldur's Gate? Oh, you mean the City of Blood? Jeez. That's amazing, right? But if you've traveled in any sort of D&D circle anywhere at all or past a comic book shop or TTRPG shop in your travels, you've heard of it. It's kind of a thing. Um, And if you're only just arriving after the full release of a certain game that has a very similar name, that's totally cool too and welcome. That's awesome. I hope that happens. I hope you get a massive influx from it. Like I like, I mean, that's the thing is like, you know, gatekeeping, I will gatekeep gatekeepers. So that's, that, that is, that is where I stand. the only thing. Mm-hmm. We gatekeep bigotry and gatekeeping. Um, so Baldur's Gate is the largest city state in the Western heartlands of Faerun. Um, it is a city that is, you know, just ripe with opportunity and commerce. Uh, this is where you go if you're trying to, you know, go make it out there. Make it big. You're going to go make it big. I'm heading out to Baldur's Gate. I'm going to make it big in the city of blood. In the city of blood. <laughs> Find my fortune. That's, well, you might. You might could. You might could. I mean, there there are some pretty uh, shady parts of the city that I'm sure That's, we will get to. There's some, sh- well, there's shady parts of everything. Come on now. So... Uh, the coat of arms that you may, you know, recognize or your players may recognize is a, a ship with its sails raised and it's sitting on still waters with a big blue sky behind it. Um, it's a symbol um, of its founder and also a symbol of the, you know, of now, of it being the bustling trading hub that it is. The city is divided into four sections, the upper city, the lower city, and the outer city, and then there is also the underground or the underseller. So the upper city, this is, some of this stuff may sound familiar because it's been touched on in various other episodes. So I tried not to dive too far into the stuff that we've already talked about or that you've already listened about. 
but there's going to be overlap. Yeah, as you know, as important and epic as a city as Baldur's Gate is to Faerun, to the Forgotten Realms, mm-hmm. we for sure have mentioned it countless times in various episodes. It, yeah, it comes up here and there. It's kind of important. It's a big deal. So there is the upper city. This is where like the wealthier folks are the elite uh it's well lit clean streets nice buildings you know marked by you know the some notable things here are the uh watch citadel which is where the city's protectors barracks are and also their training facility um for that region and the high hall uh, which is the palace of the grand dukes um this is also where you're going to find the black dragon gate the lower city um is made of tightly packed streets with like tall slender buildings uh you know, it's a it's a sprawling place of, you know, work and trade and it's where all the, you know, merchants and folks are. Um, has six smaller districts within it. Um, some landmarks include the Grey Harbor itself um, and Baldur's Mouth, which is a place where official business is conducted, like daily news distributed by like town criers and stuff like that. Kind of a town square, essentially. The outer city uh, is a shanty town that grew outside of the walls. Um, it's a rather unregulated area of the city, and it is broken down further into nine smaller districts. Unregulated area is a very political way to put that. <laughs> I was trying to be politically correct. But, uh, it's also very apt description it's like oh you headed to the outer city that's a it's a pretty unregulated area there i hear it's unregulated out there it's it's unregulated as heck oh beneath the city streets is a uh, twisted series of cramped tunnels that are known as the undercellar so these corridors reach to nearly every corner of the great city with several entrances uh which are usually well guarded by uh various enterprises throughout the city cd and otherwise beyond there there are some you know uh, reputable (laughs) businesses and and merchants there for sure oh yeah but some of them a little bit seedy beyond the underseller the tunnels there um they wind down eventually leading into the underdark of course so the city herself, she's a crescent moon-shaped city that wraps around the Grey Harbor, um, and it's all along the uh, cliffs of that Grey Harbor is actually where you're going to find the lower city. That part just blows my mind to me, and I guess it's just one of my weird hangups because I'm not, I'm not cool with being real high up in the air or near the edge of things. I don't care I mean, for it. Well, it's you better, home. you better make that money then, so you can live in the upper city. <laughs> Has this whole city well i do have a solid chance at it because the majority of the population there is human there you go in the upper city it's very you can't buy your way into their elite though you gotta kind of be born into it born into it okay you gotta be born into it you will find Baldur's gate located south of waterdeep and uh north of um Kind of know where it is and what to expect there. We'll talk a little bit about life in Baldur's Gate. Life in the big city. Life in the big city. So they are. Uh, so Baldur's Gate is a member of the. They're members of the Lord's Alliance, despite the uh, long-standing neutrality of the city, um, which is actually what made the gate into the city that it is. Um, the tolerant, welcoming attitude towards you know folks of all walks of life has helped it become what it is. Baldur's Gate historically has had little interest in like foreign affairs and stuff like that, remaining a respected neutral power, not getting involved in anybody else's political BS, essentially. It maintains this neutrality and peace through a uh, peacekeeping force (laughs) called the Watch, along with uh, the Flaming Fists. So it is... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I was gonna say, like when when the watch isn't enough, you got to call in the flaming fists. The and, flaming fists, and that one, like you know exactly what you're in for. Like the watch, like okay, well maybe they're just. I mean, they they maybe they just watch. It's and maybe a city they're like, watch. It sounds they're lovely. Like, they're keeping hey, an stop eye that. out. Like stop that crime, criminal. Stop that right now. The flaming <laughs> fists, though. Like oh yeah, you done goofed. 
this is yeah so there's you don't really want to you don't want to mess around too much you don't want to faff about too much um in Baldur's Gate it is it's a very very well defended city that very few would even consider attempting an invasion on um natural inlet that it's built on kind of provides one form of defense um in and of itself um well the great wall that is surrounding it provides additional defenses um aside from that you know there's you know the flaming fist the watch and the grand dukes themselves also command a navy with half a dozen ships uh with crews of about 40 ish guys on each okay okay it's a a lot of guys it is trying to do the quick math that's like 240 guys (laughs) you're right you're right that's a lot of guys it's a big city, though. You've got to. Um, they do actually also have a uh, long-standing enmity. Speaking of, you know, folks that would be would be attackers. Um, the one that comes to mind is their long-standing enmity with um, um that almost ended in war at what at one point during the Iron Crisis, which was like the thirteen hundred sixties dr ish. Aside from that you know, long-standing issues they're having with Om. The only major threats that the city faced uh, were the pirates that were at the ruins of Luskin and the merchants of Waterdeep, who were quite jealous and bitter about the continuing growth of, you know, wealth and power to be found in Baldur's Gate. I love how these, like, cities be beefing with each other. Love that. They do. They, You know, they're gonna be beefing. It is ruled by four Grand Dukes, also known as the Council of Four, that are elected by citizens, and they either rule until they no longer want to and retire, or until they die. Um, there are several roles within the city. Each member of the Council of Four um, has five deputies below them that they are served by, and those guys have guys below them. Um, so those five would be the harbor master. Uh, the Constable and Master of Walls, the Master of Drains and Underways, the Master of Cobbles, and the Purse Master, whose job descriptions I didn't feel necessary because self-explanatory. Right, right. (laughs) As far as laws go, and, you know, following the law in Baldur's Gate, it gets a little bit complicated. There is a somewhat complex legal code that is kind of twisty and turny and has a bunch of decrees and legislations that make it very hard to make sense of um, for pretty much anyone except like, you know, city barristers and a a few of the higher class folks. Um, Oddly enough, those are all the exact people that are going to benefit from the laws they have in place. Isn't that crazy? What a <laughs> so you know along with you know these higher the higher echelon folks flaming fists the members of the watch as well as like uh foreign diplomats and such um regular citizens are not afforded as much leniency to those above them either which again comes as no surprise this all sounds very familiar to me um, a little strange law tidbit, by the way, random strange law. Um, livestock of any kind is prohibited from being within the city proper. Anything larger than a peacock is relegated to the outer city. Um, and the only animals that you're going to see fairly commonly is cats. And that's solely for like the purposes of like vermin hunting and things. Cause you know, there's ships and all that stuff coming in from other places. No livestock. No livestock. No cows. No cows. Uh, you said larger than a peacock. Anything larger than a peacock. That's gonna be. That's gonna. Gonna be how I start. Um, like gauging the size of things. <laughs> You'll use anything. <laughs> is, it, is it? Is it larger or smaller than a peacock? Though? I think it's about that the size the of three peacocks. <laughs> that's you can't bring that in here. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You cannot bring it in. I don't care if it's three separate animals that is still collectively larger than one peacock. <laughs> don't care how many kobolds are in that trench coat. They're not coming in here. However, 
as long as you like if you if you obey the laws there though like just follow the rules you're welcome there um if you break any of those aforementioned laws uh, you're gonna be immediately apprehended and punished um either by the watch or the flaming fists uh most of the time however the crime and punishment are actually equally matched so for you know lesser crimes um you would lose the finger or get a public whipping you know things like pickpocketing or swiping stuff little steely things if you break a contract with someone you might wait wait hold on hold on hold on Hmm? so if you (laughs) i like how long it took you to buffer (laughs) if you steal like a candy bar you could suffer a public whipping that's the yeah that's the you know core that's a correlate you shouldn't be stealing shit uh, yeah apparently not in Baldur's gate don't be stealing in Baldur's gate you might lose a finger or get whipped publicly and if you happen to be in a contract and you just meh, decide you're done with it you know and just uh bail on it breaking the contract you're likely to get sense to being you know doing forced labor uh disturbing the peace things like that'll get you locked up in the stocks overnight for again public shaming i'm um, i'm oddly okay with that one I yeah, like I feel like it's all right. I'm okay with this. Oh, you're gonna be loud and rowdy all night in the middle of the street. Okay, right? Then, or, then we're, yeah, we're gonna lock you up and you can stay there. So people can throw. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming like tomatoes. You gotta there. throw tomatoes and cabbages. You have to. Here's the thing: is cabbages the whole throwing hurt. to digress just a bit. The, <laughs> throwing tomatoes, that whole bit. Tomatoes are pretty hard and firm. They don't just like explode. Uh huh. I mean, getting hit. I, with I a don't tomato... think it was the intention was to be nice, honey. I'm I'm sorry to break well, I mean, this to you, but I mean, I I feel like the in, the intention is to to for the impact for sure, but then also for it to you know to be messy and explode all over you. And oh no, no, mm-hmm. now I got tomatoes all over me. Um, but I think they're just like they'll just like bounce off of you, and you're just left with bruises. You're clean. Unless you throw them. It's true. Unless you throw them hard enough, or if they're sliced tomatoes, sliced tomatoes hurt ah you're talking you get... about pre-rigged tomatoes the way they uh will like kind of saw a, a table in half before a wrestling match so that way it's guaranteed to, to break when they when they put someone through it a little bit yes. of inside inside baseball for you it's sure sure yes that's exactly i was gonna absolutely make a ref <laughs> but back to Baldur's gate <laughs> so aside from being you know tomatoed and whatnot um it's like as far as laws go even the businesses there have to have proper licensing to operate everything is on the up and up except the things that are on the down low and shady as it should be i suppose Seems uh, the great what harbor, makes the world go around it, it is the great harbor is one of the biggest most popular and is the one of the busiest ports along um the western coast of Faerun, um due to again that neutrality um Anybody is welcome to conduct their business here as long as they follow the laws. Like, just it's, I don't care where you came from, don't care how you got the stuff, don't break any laws while you're here and you're good. So that is what's made it into the, like, the largest trading center along the entirety of the Sword Coast. This, I mean, it it even rivals Waterdeep and Om. Um, it went as far as to, they actually went as far as to mint their own silver trading bars for a bit, kind of their own in-town currency, um, mm-hmm. which, of course, you know, the city set the value of and regulated the use of. Right. Um, the gate also sponsors about 90-ish professional guilds throughout um from upper city financiers to seafarers brewmasters metal workers like all kinds of skilled tradesmen any of that that you need to look for this is where you're going to go um, there are also folks of all species here um you know as adventures happened you guys are going to pretty much anybody's going to be welcome in there but it is and has been throughout history primarily dominated by humans. Um, although there are some dwarves, some elves, and even a few drow that settled here, um, they weren't treated any differently, but it's primarily humans. Um, none of the playable species that you're going to run into are going to be like outright banned, but some of the more monstrous humanoids are considered to be a more rare sight. You know, you're they're orcs and ogres and trolls, et cetera, et cetera. 
So now that we've set that up, why don't we jump to the middle bit of the show where it gets middling and then come back and I'll give you the history of Baldur's Gate. A Baldur's Gate history lesson. Yes. Hello and welcome to the middle of the show. We do our housekeeping, we talk D&D news, and of course we get into homebrew shenanigans. First and foremost, let's thank the patrons of the show, those of you, those fair folk of the Patreon who uh, have signed up on patreon.com slash D&D Lorecast. Uh, thank you so much to all of you for supporting the show in the way that you do. And an extra special shout out to Jedi Master Deadpool, the newest patron uh, I absolutely love the name. And the icon is the the PFP is fantastic. It's it's Deadpool holding a lightsaber, which is I didn't think I needed that in my life, but I somehow I did. And now that I have it, I feel a little bit more complete. Um but yeah, thank you so much for signing up on the Patreon if you are interested in doing so as well. Like I said, you can go to patreon.com slash DD Lorecast. We just posted um last episode's The Planes of Conflict from Planescape. We just posted the Patron Plus installment uh, for that episode. We are we're a slightly bit late on August's bonus episode, but that will be posted here in the next few days as well. Uh, yeah, you get Patron Plus installments at least twice a month. You get a bonus episode every single month, and plus a lot of cool other content, um, as a bunch of other cool uh, perks like yeah, like uh, like free merchandise, T-shirts, uh, coffee mugs, tote bags. Uh, you can get a game that is uh, DM'd by by myself. You can get um, a, a workshop to, uh, you know, to help you homebrew your own campaign setting or to, uh, to you know, um, teach teach people how to play D&D. Like, 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 hey, I have, I have friends that want to learn how to play uh, that would play with me, but they don't know how to play. Can you help me teach them? Absolutely, we can do that. Uh, just check it out. Check it out if you want to, uh, if you're interested in supporting the show in this way and also getting some cool bennies. Uh, if you want to support the show in other ways, of course, all the all the social medias, the the, the X's, the whatever, the Twitters. I'm going to I'm going to always call it Twitter uh, threads, Mastodon, Blue Sky. Uh, we have uh, TikToks, Instagram. We have planted the D&D Lorecast uh, stake in the ground pretty much every, um, in every social city every digital city we could find because uh, we don't know how it's going to shake out we don't know i mean hey no one thought myspace would be gone as quickly as it was ultimate rips to tom um so yeah so you can support that show or you can support the show in that way uh, also leaving five-star reviews on spotify and apple podcasts and you know, uh, just telling telling friends, telling anyone you think would uh, would appreciate the show, would like the show, would enjoy the show, um, would benefit from the show. Um, like I said, we this is a complete labor of love. Uh, you know, the the funds from the Patreon go to to pay artists to create con- more even more content for the show. Um, but you know, that's you know, we would do we would do this regardless. And so, um, we just want to spread the joy and love of D and D and tabletop role playing games. Um, to as many people as possible. Uh, as far as D&D news goes, um, we uh, we got Van Delver coming out and it's pretty cool. They've released like this like sort of a one sheet newspaper, the Van Delver Post, that you can use as a handout for um, for your Van Delver game, for your Van Delver campaign, uh, print it out and, uh, you know, maybe wrinkle it up a little bit, maybe, you know, make it look like a, like a newspaper or something. And uh, and use it in your campaign. We'll link to that uh, in the show notes. And of course, the new playtest just dropped. It's a it's a chonker. It's they're 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 getting chonkier as as they go. Uh, so we'll link to, to to that obviously, so you can check that out, as well as to the hour and a half long video where it's discussed with uh, with Todd Kendrick interviewing Jeremy Crawford discussing what's going on in the playtest. Uh, Links to both of those in the show notes as well. And lastly, in the news section, the book of the deck of many things, I'm sorry, the deck of many things, which includes the book of many things, uh, will be coming out here in a couple months. And it has been announced that um, that it's going to feature Dungeons and Dragons first canonically autistic character. Uh, they go by the name Austeria and or uh, Asteria, 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 not sure. Um, again, a lot of these names are made up. You can kind of pronounce them how you want, except I, I've learned 
uh, Dritz, when you pronounce it Drizzit, it makes him feel sad. And that goes back. We talked about it in the, the Dark Elf trilogy episode as to why it makes him feel sad. So that's probably the only one I would say like, hey, don't pronounce it any way you want. Um, but anyways, so Asteria uh, is the creation of the designer Mackenzie D'Armas, who is an absolute delight. Um, if you could uh, check out any ep- episode of Dragon Talk that she is on, uh, always fun. Like you can you can tell like, through her voice, you can tell how much she loves the game. Um, but yeah, she uh, put herself, you know, put a bit of herself into the character, you know, um, because she is on the spectrum. She wanted to. Um, create a character that, you know, gets to express her love and other things beyond just like, Hey, I'm autistic. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's a part of, you know, everything that she does, it doesn't, but it doesn't define her. So it's really cool. You know, um, you know, myself having a, uh, a child that's on the spectrum, uh, and me myself probably never being tested, but, you know, having, you know, my kid and, uh, seeing like, you know, like how they interact with the world and how they behave kind of like, like oh yeah that's kind of what i do and that's kind of what i do too and okay that's things are making a lot more sense nowadays uh so yeah so just see like you know seeing stuff like that you know representation is utterly important and and good representation is even more important so it's cool that so knowing that it's someone you know who understands those experiences and and um is creating the character is is a you know is peachy keen um and now as far as the uh homebrew corner um We've discussed this one before. It's um, I can find the dang tab. I got like a million tabs open right now. Heroes of Baldur's Gate. Uh, this I got, I'm relatively sure we've discussed this before, and I want to just give it a little. I mean, obviously the episode is about Baldur's Gate, and if you want even more BG in your life, uh, this is what to do. Uh, but yeah, it's from the lead designer of the first two Baldur's Gates, but it is a full color, 160 page adventure book. Um, you've got a, um, first to six level campaign that'll, you know, um, that centers around the city of Baldur's Gate. And I mean, it's, it's as good as a third party, like unofficial, you know, content will get as far as the writing and the art goes, it's absolutely chef's kiss. But what I really want to talk about is the next, uh, item from the summer cohort from Bard House Media, from TTRPG University. So as I said last week, uh, I took part in this writer's workshop in in writing an adventure, and I'm absolutely like just flabbergasted at all the creativity that I was surrounded by. I definitely want to highlight some of the already published work that my cohorts um, have created. And this week, it's actually not D&D, it's actually Pathfinder 2nd Edition, which again, no, no shade being thrown. You know, here at the D and D Lorecast, you know, we focus on the lore from Dungeons and Dragons, but we love TTRPGs across the board. But this is just another haunted house. This second uh, edition Pathfinder adventure, sitting in the midst of a busy town, an abandoned home is purchased by a rich noble from a nearby city. But there's more going on here than meets the eye: missing people, strange noises, unexplainable events. It's just another haunted house, or is it? So this is an 18-page adventure um, maps that you can use on whatever virtual tabletop uh, that you prefer, and uh, you can find it on PathfinderInfinite.com. Of course, a link uh, to the show note in the show notes to it will be included. Uh, it's only three bucks. Three bucks. Check it out. Buy it. Enjoy it. Uh, maybe this is the your first. Maybe this is the your first. You know, um, introduction to pathfinder second edition uh that would be dope and you could uh you have me and uh oh this is from stevie i don't know that i ever met your name her name is stevie uh and it's and it's uh yeah it's great you should check it out for sure uh that being said let's jump back into the show Welcome back. When we last left you, Mary promised us a history lesson, a Baldur's Gate history lesson. Now, is she going to make good on that promise or is she going to leave? Oh, okay. I will. I'm not that kind of, I'm not going to just like fail mid-show. High and dry. (laughs) I mean, it's never dry in Baldur's Gate. (laughs) Leave leave it it at that. Always, always at least kind of rainy. (laughs) 
uh, was discuss- one of the things I had read was discussing the weather in the areas, kind of just always kind of misty and damp and just consistently soggy, I guess, like to the point where they have to actually throw straw into the streets sometimes to prevent the cobblestones from being too slippery. Oh, I mean, I guess I was going to say, like, it's very quaint, like, very twee in that it sense. It is, but, also, but for like, such you, a you, massive city. Yeah, you don't <laughs> want people, like, slipping and breaking, cracking their dome. They'll start blaming the city, and then that's a whole thing of problems. Like, that's a whole can of worms you don't want. So, long before Baldur's Gate was even a budding settlement, uh, the land it sits upon belonged to a hill giant named Locke. Um, it was known first as Locke's Fist. After his death, sometime prior to zero DR, uh, the first settlement sprung up here. A small fishing village called Loch Lee. In time, this became known as the place to meet up for ne'er-do-wells, pirates, ghost lighters, and uh, scavengers. Ghost lighters used lights to trick ships into coming in, like thinking they would be able to come in safely to dock. Um, but they did not. Um, Aha! Suckers gotcha! <laughs> Ha-ha, you run aground in the fog. You stupid idiots. <laughs> you idiot. So then after these ships run aground, they would, you know, loot them and then sail up the river Shionthar to the safe haven of Grey Harbor. So by the year um by the year of Avarice in 204 DR, uh Lockley and Grey Harbor were already becoming well-known like are already well-known uh ports of call on the sword coast in days long since past um a seafaring hero uh, by the name of balduran returned home to gray harbor from beyond the isle of evermeet he returned <laughs> i'm sorry as soon as you said balduran i start in my head the beach boy song ba, ba, barbara fall ba, ba, ba. balduran Okay, um, I'm a silly boy. Uh, pr- do proceed, please. <laughs> um, he came back from a continent by the name of Ancorum, and with him, he brought great wealth. So he he dragoned away his riches. I would say squirreled, but I feel like this is more dragoning than squirreling, for sure. Especially with the um quantity <laughs> therein. Um, he he, he kind of hid it away in hidden caches and ordered a granite wall to be built around for the protection of his home. And then he soon set out on a second voyage uh, to the continent, but vanished never to be seen again. <gasps> bum, bum, bum. After his disappearance, sometime in the mid-1000s-ish DR, Local farmers took control of the wall's uh, construction and decided to use it for protection of their homesteads and holds instead of the, you know, home of a guy that disappeared and hadn't come back. dude that wasn't around anymore, yeah. Yeah, he just came in and started a wall and left. Seeing this, you know, they, seeing this as an opportunity for protection, folks began to flock within the town, like into the town walls, and it began to flourish. Uh, the old Walden part of Grey Harbor became known as Old Town, while the area getting new construction between the southern wall and the harbor became known as Heapside. Uh, by the year of the unblinking eye, which is like 446 DR, the city is widely known as Baldur's Gate. There are some that say that the name existed before uh, 300 DR, the year of the late sun. But, you know, everybody's got a story about it. So the division caused by the town's wall created some strife within the landowners of the old town and um, of Baldur's former associates. The division caused by the town's wall created some strife between uh, landowners of Old Town and uh, Baldurin's former associates, like the seafaring folk of Grey Harbor. Now, the Old Towners um, were taxing carts that were coming in, like coming north into town from the harbor, taxing them on their way in through, um, which pissed off the sea folk, who eventually said, no, I'm not paying your taxes anymore. 
Understandable. Right. This anger then turned into action. So merchants and traveling folk from the Heapside stormed Old Town. And just before they laid siege to uh, the keep known as High Hall, the foremost senior captains among them pushed the farmer lords to surrender. After a vote, they came to a truce, and the retired sea captains became jokingly known as the Dukes of, of this randomly expanding, randomly, rapidly expanding city, um, officially known as Baldur's Gate. <clears throat> Kick-ass Dukes. Uh, yeah, I can understand how, like, Baldur, I mean, Baldur and, and I mean, he, like, nicknamed being Baldur. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can understand how his old buddies were like, hey, and, like, we, like, no, like, we kind of run this town. And everyone was like, nah, like, you oh, used to. You did. W- with your buddy, but he's gone. So we're going to take over now. Mm-hmm. 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 the nation of um was settled uh trade in the gate that's when trade exploded like it just took off this secured the connection between old town and heapside which became known as upper city and lower city respectively so this new town comes on you know it's new settlements popping up comes on the scene they decide to kind of band together instead um, this is what sealed the fate of the Baldurians, and the wall was then extended. Um, it went on to become, this goes on to become the most powerful city in the Western heartlands, and though it's neutral, they joined the Lord's lines. During the early 14th century, uh, the Flaming Fist began operating in Baldur's Gate, 1386 DR, year of the banner, Sarovek. Anchev, the ball spawn, attempted to orchestrate a massive conspiracy that would send the city into a war with Om. So this plan did not work, (laughs) failed spectacularly, and within two years, uh, pretty much all of the ball spawn were dead due to Abdel Adrian, who is the uh, future Grand Duke. Later, in 1386, the city is nearly overrun with refugees that are displaced by the Shining Lady and her crusade. Uh, The Flaming Fist joined nearby armies to, you know, band together, and they all meet this threat, like, head-on. So now, this is where we start dipping into the games a bit. The Vigi games. The Vigi games, as as they once were. (laughs) I'm not doing it. Vigi games. <clears throat> so this is where Dark Alliance begins to come in. In early uh, 1374 DR, the year of lightning storms, a group of adventurers joined by the Harpers thwart the Xantam Guild's plans to uh, only to find that they are a part of a larger plot. Like it's more than just this one little group of guys, as it always is. Uh, it's a larger plot involving Eldrith the Betrayer and her Dark Alliance. Hence the name That's of the game. how they got the name of the game. Yeah. They, oh my god, they said that thing. That's what it's called. <laughs> uh, in the years that follow, a vampire, Mordot uh, Selanmer, uh, seeks to destroy the city only to be defeated in 1376. Uh, DR, which, by the way, is the year of the bent blade. I just, I love all the years. I just need a whole poster of them with all of them listed out. Because some of them are absurd. Some of them are wild. (laughs) I love it. That's part of the appeal is that it's absolutely absurd. So it's it's in the following decade that we see the spell plague happen. Uh, Baldur's Gate remains largely untouched and completely unharmed by the blue fire raining down um, and becomes a refuge uh, for a bunch. It's like a safe haven for a lot of the refugees uh, from around the Sea of Fallen Stars. Within a few years, the city had managed to triple its size. Amazingly capable of keeping up with its own growth, too, not getting too big for its britches too fast. Um, Mid-15th century, which is like in the middle of the 1400s DR, uh, Grand Duke Valarkin, um, General Ecall, and the Band of the Red Moon try to take control of the city. Uh, this failed attempt at a coup is led by uh, or led to government reform uh, for the Baldurians. With the newly formed uh, Parliament of Peers electing members of the 
Council of Four and also offering their assistance. So Abdel Adrian then replaces Valarken as both the Grand Duke and the Marshal of the Flaming Fist. By 1479 DR, uh, the year of the Aidless One, Baldur's Gate has become one of the greatest powers in Faerun and is once again stable. It's no longer being troubled by, you know, Am or Valarkin. While the expanding city held its own as it grew, um, it also nearly sent itself into a civil war during that. It did all right, but... Eh, yeah, you get too big too fast. You do, and there's too many, there's too many, uh, many fingers too, in the pie. Too many cooks in the kitchen. Too many cooks in the kitchen, too many fires in the iron here. Something's bound to happen. On returning day in the year of the Narthax murders, uh, 1482 DR, uh, Grand Duke Abdel Adrian was attacked by the only other remaining ball spawn, a man called the Kang. Um, it isn't known who came out the victor in this fight, though, um, because they both died. One of them fell to his mortal sibling, and the other one died after being transformed into an avatar of the dead god Baal. Uh, it was the avatar of the Slayer. So the Grand Duke's death um, is blamed on a group of death agents uh, of the, the Guild, and that's uh, with a capital G, the most prevalent thieves group within the city. So a group of... Um, Adventurers is then hired to investigate. Uh, not long after the city, long after that, the city experiences a spike in crime, ending with city officials passing laws where uh, folks are being required to wear clothing that is fitting of their station and denotes their place within the hierarchy. Oh man i i would I would hope to. I don't like to dress up. I <laughs> I like to be comfortable. <laughs> And if if I'm in this high station, I'm like, oh, you have to be all hoity-toity. I'd be like, man, just I'll just go to the lower city. I'm fine. It's whatever. I just take all my gold and retire to the lower city. I'm gonna take all my gold and wanna move go dress to like water a deep and wear sweatpants all day. Oh, water deep sweatpants. I'd wear water deep brand sweatpants. Like water deep you. Little Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Vandals also during this time beheaded five of the city's uh, beloved statues as well. The adventurers, they tried, you know, them, the Fist and the Watch, all of them tried. It just didn't cut it and couldn't get things kind of, couldn't get it back under control. So the city erupts into chaos. Uh, city workers go on strike. The upper city is locked down uh, with mid-afternoon curfew. Lower city becomes unruly and incensed. Uh, protests began in the outer city and, and then things you know acts of petty vandalism eventually escalate into like arson and even kidnappings the free press in the city is shut down as Baldur's mouth is shut down and a new leader of the fist institutes a series of tribunals which happen to be less than legal trying to gain control of the city imagine that yeah i know it's it's crazy that crime lord's gonna crime. Exactly. Riots erupt in the lower and the outer city areas after a group of outer city residents uh, clashes with a group of the flaming fists. Um, and after an explosion in Bloomridge, the city is placed under martial law. Everybody's grounded because nobody's behaving. <laughs> right, right. The adventurers are hired to figure out what exactly is happening here. Um, and end up uncovering a plot to destroy the corrupted Baldurian parliament by Grand Duke Torlin Silvershield in a very, very, very dramatic fashion. I, yeah, I wouldn't expect any less <laughs> from the Grand Duke Torlin Silvershield. Exactly. Uh, the The intention to destroy the parliament was a immolation of a stockpiled smoke powder. Uh, he was trying to sever the hold that the guild has over the Baldurian officials. Um, it didn't work. Um, but before he was slain, he did reveal himself to be a chosen of Baal, the newly reascended god of murder. Well, I mean, 
if anyone is going to try to b- blow up Parliament, blow up a building full of it's yeah. either going to be uh, uh-huh. someone wearing a Guy Fox mask or mm-hmm. a chosen of bald, the newly reascended God of Murder. God of Those murder. are the only two. This is the only guys that are going to do this. The only two I will accept. <laughs> and uh, of course, I mean the the story of Baldur's Gate continues on into yeah, Baldur's like, Gate 3, but mm-hmm. we obviously want to avoid spoilers for those who uh, have yet to play the game or are playing the game and haven't finished it. Uh, and so, like, yeah, the, the, the history is continuing as Ooh. we speak. Yes, you, you're literally making it. You're making it. You're a part of history right now. If you're playing Baldur's Gate 3, you are writing Faerunian history. Oh, I thought you meant writing like with an R. And I was like, I bet some of them are wronging Faerunian history too. Let's be honest here. <laughs> I love For you sure. guys, but For sure, the, I have no misconceptions. <laughs> the player who killed every NPC and put all their bodies in one oh house. My like, yeah. Gosh. Yeah. Um, every day, every day we get further and further away from, from Talos. <laughs> well thank you so much for listening to the dungeons and dragons Lorecast. uh we'll be back next week with uh our first impressions of the full length fandelver adventure uh it's uh we we got early access because we're, we're we can't help ourselves and uh we've been we've been reading it digging into it we're uh-huh, gonna let you know uh-huh, what, uh-huh. what we think of it excited um, reading it just you know quick uh sneak preview uh it's pretty awesome (laughs) (laughs) hey uh no spoilers but it's pretty badass thanks and then of course we still have a couple of planescape episodes before Mm -hmm. before planescape 5e comes out so we're we're barreling towards that but uh yeah once again thank you for listening um like uh mary mentioned at the top of the show uh she will be um taking a step back from hosting from hosting mm-hmm. duties, uh, she still will be very much a part of the community, yep. and the door is open to yep. for any kind of return, whether it be as as you know the as a co-host or as um like a social media maven, something right. like you know this this is a uh, this is something that uh we want we want the the want the community to grow. Oh, yeah. We want to be able to, to oh, yeah. incorporate as many people as possible. We just kind of kind of zigzag a little bit, and uh, we'll, it's it'll be fine. It's fine. This is a, I mean, it's just like a, just like in a D and D campaign when you kill an NPC you sh- you shouldn't have killed, and now the DM or has you to adopt like, the NPC and the DM has to rewrite everything. And the yeah, the DM has to be like, okay, like how do I figure this out? This uh-huh. this is the process of us figuring it out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, thank you again for listening. My name is Sergio, and I'm Mary. Fare thee well, dear listener, and until we meet again, may all your twenties be natural. Thank you for listening to the Dungeons & Dragons Lorecast. If you've enjoyed the show, consider following us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at D&D Lorecast. Or jumping into the Robots Radio Discord to chat more with us about Dungeons & Dragons. We'll see you soon. Listening to a Robots Radio podcast. Smart shows for interesting people. Check out all the shows at robotsradio.net.